church, you guys can stay standing as we open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are here, that your presence is here. And Lord, we just declare there's nowhere else we would rather be right now than in your house. And God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that none of us leave you unchanged by your presence. Lord, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, all God's people said, Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. Just a reminder again that Growth Track is happening on Tuesday. So to all the new people, first time guests, welcome again. We'd love to have you join us Tuesday at the church for Growth Track. And for anyone else who hasn't done it yet, we'd love to see you there. Also, if you've got children from grade four upwards, we've got Rise Camp coming up. Come on, it's going to be good. Those camps changed my life. I grew up in this church and those camps changed my life. Um, there's a big sign-up table at the back. You don't want your kids to miss out on the opportunity. But we're going to get stuck into the Word. We're starting a brand new series this week entitled Matters of the Heart. And who agrees with me that the heart is important? Hey, God's made it very clear that the heart is important. He actually says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. So our hearts are really important, how we handle them. Would you guys all agree with me that if I want to be a healthy Leanne, I need to have a healthy heart, right? If you want to be a healthy you, you need a healthy heart. Then I thought, okay, I would ask you guys a question. Just think about this for a moment. Who here can remember going through a misunderstanding with someone? I'm sure most of us have had a few misunderstandings, right? I was chatting to my husband last night and I was saying, you know, oh, I need an example of a misunderstanding, like help me out. And so he says, oh, you can tell them, tell the church about the time when um, I popped into the oyster box to buy a voucher and they thought I was part of the spring box. And I was like, no, that's a terrible example. It's not going to help my point at all. Like, you know, that's just a humble brag. I was like, dude, they thought you were the water boy. (laughs) But now I'm going to tell him that he got his story across because he's very proud of being, you know, that they thought he was part of the spring box. Anyway, um, but no, that's not my example. I've got a better example. I thought about this. And um, when I was about 16 years old, I went on, I think it was my third missions trip to Zambia. Okay, so you guys know I've grown up in this church. I loved the missions trips. And when I was, 30, when I was 16, um, like my third trip, I had just gone through quite a growth spurt, okay? So I'd got quite tall. I was always a very average height kid. I became tall. I lost my puppy fat. I was doing a lot of sport. Um, I have a point with this, okay? I'm going somewhere with this. Um, I, was, I was quite a skinny 16-year-old. And I'm sitting there on this mission trip with some of the, um, the Lozi women in really rural Zambia. And um, the lady's like holding my arm and we're chatting and she looks me in the eyes and she gives me this big smile and she says, you are so fat. <laughs> and I'm a 16 year old girl, I'm like, what? She says, you are so fat. And I, literally my eyes were like popping out of my head. I'm like, oh my head, she is so rude. And, and, you know, if I'm honest, I probably could have done with an extra burger or two at that time. Like I was, I was not fat. And now I'm trying to like not be offended. And, and luckily, one of the interpreters who was, um, 
um, she would come with us, and if there was a big language barrier, she would jump in, and she heard, she probably saw the shock on my face, and she heard the exchange, and she said, no, 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 she's complimenting you. She said, in, in the Lozi culture, when they say you're fat, it's like saying you are blessed, or you look healthy and wealthy, and your teeth are good, and your hair, <laughs> everyone's getting excited. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know, she's trying to compliment you. She's not saying you're fat. She, she's saying you, you're blessed. I was like, okay, you know. Um, but really, I have a point here. Misunderstandings can be dangerous, right? We can hurt people's hearts. We can get into misunderstandings with our colleagues, with our friends, with our family. And, and if we don't resolve them, it can cause a huge disconnect and a hardening of our hearts. Misunderstandings can be dangerous. I was also, I have a few very embarrassing stories, but for my own dignity, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to throw this out. Tip to everyone in the room, okay, because this has happened to me both ways. No woman is ever pregnant until they have given you an invite to their baby shower. Is that good? Can we all agree? No one's pregnant until you've been invited to their freaking baby shower. Amen. There we go. I'm just going to leave it there. But a definition of misunderstanding goes as follows. Chris Berry, stop laughing. <laughs> okay. A misunderstanding is a problem caused by someone not understanding a question, a situation, or an instruction correctly. So pretty much when we don't understand a question, a situation, or an instruction correctly, it can affect our hearts in a very negative way. We can affect other people's hearts in a very negative way. Now Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 18, it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? I just want to focus again on verse 18. When God says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God is trying to tell us that when we can actually understand something correctly, it is powerful. He's saying when your eyes of understanding are open, you understand the hope that you call to. You understand that you have a glorious inheritance. You understand that there's actually purpose and fulfillment. You have destiny. Come on. Understanding gives us hope, peace, clarity. Understanding is a powerful thing. And confusion and misunderstanding will do the opposite. So God wants you and I to understand what it is we're actually called to. Now, if you know me, I will often talk about my trips to Zambia because they had such a big impact on my life. Started going at 14, I went on the very first Bundu bashing mission to Zambia where, like, I mean, yeah, 
we, we drove for three days, crammed up like sardines, jumped on a wooden dugout, cruised down the Zambezi. Um, my dad was screaming, we're in Angola, we're all going to die. It was dark, we didn't have lights, we got lost. I mean, it was nuts. There were crocodiles in the river. It's like stuff you can't make up. And, um, but growing up on these trips, obviously they got more and more sophisticated. We now have bases everywhere, nutrition centers, churches, we've built a hospital. Okay, it's, I don't want to tell you my age, but it's been a while since I was 14. But when I remember where it started and the, the, the lessons I've learned, I would go back again year after year with, with business people who would take their annual leave, they would take three weeks off work, their holiday, to drive their own cars with people squashed in it. And your car is never the same again after a trip to Zambia. And they would drive into the bush with their tent and their sleeping bag. You dig a hole for the toilet. You pump up water from the ground to have a bath. And then when you want to drink the water, we all brought our um, water purifying tablets. And they would do this. Why? because they had the privilege and the honor of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with an unreached people group. And these people impressed me with their faith. I was like, these people are the real deal. I wanna be like them. It was mind blowing to watch these people doing it year after year. They were living for eternity because they knew there were souls at stake. There were no churches in this part of Africa. And in that environment, dreams were pulled out of my own heart. That's where I felt God speak to me about studying medicine. I got to help out at a clinic there. You know, um, God spoke to me in incredible ways on these trips. And 2 Corinthians verse 9, sorry, chapter 9 verse 11, it says, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. You know, those Zambia trips made that verse come alive for me. I watched people who were enriched, who were blessed, so that they could be generous, take their gifts to the people who needed them, and then I would watch those people give their lives to Jesus, and God would be glorified. And that's really what life is all about. God has blessed you and I to be a blessing. Amen? Come on, we're vessels, we're conduits so that people can actually see God moving through us and they turn to God and say thank you. All the attention and focus should always be on God. That's why I like social media, but I hate social media because it's all about the attention on the person. All the attention should go to God. And what I've also learned is there's no greater adventure than waking up every morning and going, I'm not living for myself. How depressing to just be living for Leanne Hreif. I get to live for something so much bigger than myself. There's a purpose. There's a calling. I'm God's vessel. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Doesn't that make waking up a lot more exciting? But if we're gonna live lives like this every day and not just like once a year or once every two years on a missions trip, there's one thing we need to understand first. And that is that God is the source of all blessings. Do you believe that? That God is the ultimate source. He's the only source. Psalm 24 verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you believe that? The earth is
is the Lord's and everything in it. He owns it all. And that's the first thing that we have to grasp. Everything belongs to God. If we can grasp that, then we understand that God is looking for people that he can bless who will take the blessing and share it with others. I want to give you guys a picture. So in a sense, you could almost say God is like the manager of a great benevolent fund, and he is choosing us to be his distributors, right? Now, the more faithful we are in distributing the blessings to others, the more faithful he is going to be in distributing the blessings to us. Because he can trust us. Because we're faithful. If you're a parent, I want you to think about it like this. You've got two kids. Say... The one kid is really responsible. Um, if you ask, I'm going to say him because I have two daughters and I don't want you to like assume anything from this, okay? Um, so say he, uh, the one son, is very generous, loves to share, um, will spend all their money on the sibling, um, is very responsible, never loses their school clothes, um, and every time you bless them, they always say, oh, thank you, mommy, that's so kind of you. You've got one kid who's responsible, who's generous, who's grateful, who shares. Then you have another kid who, mm, if you give them something, um, there's a decent chance they're going to lose it, and then they're going to moan and whine that they lost it, and then they're going to ask you for more, and then even if you do give them more, they won't share, and they probably will be quite ungrateful for all the stuff that you've given them. Just say that's the scenario. I'm not saying that's the scenario in my household, but say that is the scenario. You're going to find it way easier to bless the first kid than you are to bless the second kid, right? It just makes sense. They're grateful. They're fruitful. They can be trusted. Right? Makes sense. God looks at us the same way. He doesn't have favorites, but he's not stupid. His resources are intended to be a blessing that pass through our hands to others. So he notices what we do with what he gives us. He's fully aware. And the more faithful we are, the more he trusts us, the more he can give us. Because he's always watching. And I want this to excite you. It shouldn't be like a depressing thing. You should be going, flip, like every day I'm on a mission to actually be the, the most faithful blessing I can be to my God. Because he owns everything, right? God is looking for those of us who are willing to be partners with him in distributing his blessings. And it takes me to my next point, which is stewardship. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend or cultivate and keep it. Okay, so we're talking about the Garden of Eden. We've got Adam and Eve there. And right in the beginning, God says, this is your job. I want you guys to look after the garden. Like, make it beautiful. Let it multiply. Let it grow. Okay, that's your job. Adam and Eve understood, Psalm 24 verse 1, that the Lord owns everything and he owns the earth and everything in it. And they understood that they were placed there as the stewards. Now, you might be saying, okay, what is a steward? What, I actually had to look this up. What exactly is a steward? A steward is someone who handles the affairs for someone else. That's what a steward is. Okay, you looking after somebody else's things. 
If we look at the biblical doctrine of what a steward is, it explains man's or um, human being's relationship to God, okay? So God is the owner and humans are the, the stewards or the managers. God is the owner, we're the managers. That's a picture of biblical stewardship. Now the first thing I wanna say about this is whether you believe you're a steward or not doesn't change the fact that you are a steward, okay? You might go, the lady in the blue dress is talking nonsense. I own everything I have, it's in my name, okay? That house is in my name, the car's in my name, I own it. I am telling you, you are a steward, okay? God owns the earth and everything in it. He's the owner, you're a manager. You don't have to believe me, I promise you it's the truth. And one day when you get to heaven, you are gonna have to give an account for how you stewarded what God trusted you with, okay? Just throwing that out there. You may think you're an owner, but you're actually a steward. But get this, the happiest people, and they've done multiple studies, the happiest people in the world are people who understand that they are stewards. They are the happiest people because they understand that ultimately everything is God's and God will take care of what is His and God is in control and God will protect them and fight for what is His. It's like when you rent a house, right? When you rent a house and the geezer blows, it's really annoying. But let's just be honest, in the back of your head, you're going, oh, the landlord, well, the, the, the owner will have to fix this, right? I don't have to fix the geezer, it's not my house, I'm not the owner. They're gonna fix the house, right? They're gonna fix the geezer, you with me? It's their responsibility. If we can grasp that as Christians, that God is the owner, we are the managers. We can actually live with a bit more peace, knowing God's got this. He's in control. And don't get me wrong, we should be the best tenants ever. You know, we should be looking after, if we're renting houses, we look after it. But I'm talking about that peace that we know that God ultimately is in control. Humans who mistakenly see themselves as the owners, they lose their peace. They will fight, they will get highly strung when they should be trusting God, the true owner. They're trying to fight and do everything in their own strengths. Come on, we've all been there at certain times. We think it's all up to us. The resources on this earth were always meant not for man's ownership, but for his or her stewardship. I want you guys to get this. I want it to sink in. The resources on this earth were always meant not for man's ownership, but for his or her stewardship. Now, in the ancient kingdoms, what would happen is um, when the king was out of the country, say he went off um, sailing to another country, the steward would take over the affairs of the land. And as soon as the king came back, he would give a full account for everything that had happened in the king's absence. And obviously, the greatest stewards were the ones that actually made sure they did what would be pleasing to the king, okay? So they found out, what does the king like? What would the king like to have happen? And then they gave it 100% as if they were managing their own resources. Ephesians 5 verse 10 says, 
carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That's really good advice for you and I. We are stewards. We need to carefully determine what's going to please our God. That's what good stewards do. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is a really good example of stewardship. We're going to read it together. But Jesus starts out the chapter, and he's comparing stewardship to the kingdom of heaven. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. Once these goods were delivered, the man went on on a journey with the expectation of receiving a return on the goods left with his servants. When the man returned from the journey, two servants had doubled the man's goods, while the other servant only returned what he was given. He'd actually just hid it in the sand. The man called the two servants who provided a return good and faithful servants, and he made them rulers over greater things, since they were faithful with the least. The servants who gave the man no return were told that he ought to have deposited the money with bankers so that the man could have at least received his money back with interest. Okay, so you all got that story, right? Now God takes Matthew 25 and he compares the parable of the talents to the kingdom of God. And he says, the servants who earned a return are the good and faithful servants. Why is stewardship so, so important to God? Why? Because God's heart is totally wrapped up in his most costly possession. God's heart is 100% for the increase of his most costly possession, and that is people. God wants to see people populate heaven. People are who he came for. People are the reason that Jesus' blood was shed. People are the reason that Jesus came down to earth from heaven. He's all about people. He's all about seeing more and more people come to know him so that they can spend eternity with him in heaven. And what he's trying to say through this parable is that wise stewardship is about taking what God has given you and multiplying it for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of people who are lost. Because that's what God's heart bleeds for. That's what he's all about. God is obsessed with seeing lost people saved. And if we can grasp that, that's when we become changed lives, changing lives. You don't just get your life changed and then carry on going. You go, flip, my life was changed. I need to be a steward of this. I need to help somebody else get their life changed. I need to invite somebody else to church. They also need to know that they've been saved, that they've got a plan and a purpose for their life. There's a God who loves them. Come on, church, are you getting this? It's not just about a financial harvest. It's about the kingdom of God being expanded. It's so much bigger. And that's why it's such a great privilege to steward the Lord's resources. They have an eternal significance. Now, a lot of the time when we think about stewardship, we think, well, I'm a great steward. If I get to the end of my life and I have 10 properties paid off and a huge retirement annuity, I've been a great steward. 
If you can do that at the end of your life, well done, that's impressive. But you cannot take your 10 properties or your retirement annuity with you to heaven. Unfortunately, you can't. What's the only thing you can take with you to heaven? People, souls. That's the only thing you can take with you. And that's what God measures our lives on. What impact are we making on eternity? Everything we have comes from God by his grace and for his glory. But he is never more glorified than when heaven is populated. That's what he gave his son for. And stewardship is being faithful with our finances, our time, and our talents that we can see God's kingdom grow. How do we practically live this out? My first point is you need to realize that you always have enough to be a good steward. You always have enough to be a good steward. You always have enough to be a blessing. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44, it's the widow's offering. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. You always have enough to be a blessing. Now, God doesn't go on to tell us how the story ended with that widow, but I have no doubt in my mind that he took care of her and he looked after her because when you put God first, you never come second. Amen? He's faithful. He's always watching. He's always ready to bless those who can be trusted. The second step that we can do practically is we get to think about where our money goes. Why do we have to think about where our money goes? I'll be honest, I've been re-challenged again just thinking about this series, thinking about my heart, thinking about my resources. Our money has eternal significance, so we can't just be blasé about it. We can't. If we can actually be generous, that money can go towards building a church in Western Zambia or towards a church plant in Kales River. Those are things that have an eternal significance. If we don't think about it, we're going to spend all our money on freaking cappuccinos. Hey, it's like the curse of 2022. You blink and you spend everything on cappuccinos. I don't know why they have to be so good. But we have to stop be deliberate, be aware, budget, re-budget, get an app. There's these fancy apps you can download now. Get some advice, but think about where your money's going because it has an eternal significance. The third thing we need to do is we need to tithe. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, is she really gonna go there? I have to go there. If you're super irritated that I'm speaking about money, don't worry, there is one person more irritated than you, and that is the devil. He hates it when we talk about money. Because the Bible says, wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. 
So if you give God your money, then your heart follows. And he doesn't like that. But I have to talk about this. Tithing. We all agreed that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That I'm God's, right? My brain, my ability to work, my job. Everything I have comes from God. I, I 100% believe that. I know that. Everything I have comes from God. I wouldn't be able to function if he hadn't given me the body and the brain. And it's all his. The income that I earn, it's by his grace. And he asks me out of the 100% he gives me to bring 10% back. I don't think that's unfair at all. It's my privilege to bring it back and say, thank you, God, for the other 90. Because it all comes from you. I'd be nothing without you. You created me. You give me the air that I breathe. You've given me the brain that I can concentrate with. Everything I have comes from you. Here's my 10% back. It's my privilege. It's my honor. It's my joy that I get to do this. And then Malachi 3 verse 10 to 12, it says, bring your tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. God's saying there's gotta be food in my church so we can help the hungry, so that we can um, spiritually feed people. We can build new churches. We can take new ground. He says, and then test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. Now, I know that if you tithe, God's gonna blow your mind. I've got so many testimonies, but I don't want you to tithe because you want something back from God. I want you to tithe because you love Him, because He gave you everything. And it's your privilege to give the 10% back. And you might be sitting here going, Leanne, things are so tight right now. If I gave 10%, I would go under. My advice is always, hey, start with 1% because God looks at the heart. And then next month, try 2%. And the next month, try 3%. And before you know it, you'll hit 10% and you will have testimonies of what God has done in your life. I can promise you that He is faithful. He is good. Fourth thing we need to do is we prepare for offerings. So our tithe is our 10%, but I don't want to just tithe. I want to give offerings above my tithe. So Andre and I are always talking about it. We try and get ready to do that twice a year to be kingdom builders. But you know, we spoke about the cappuccinos as a joke, but really, if you gave up on one cappuccino a week, you'd have 100 rand a month that you could put in your bank account. And after three months, you'd have 300 rand enough to bless a family with groceries, right? If we just plan, We can prepare for offerings. We can give above and beyond. And then point number five, we need to let incense arise. Romans 11 verse 36, it says, For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. I love that verse. I absolutely love it. It's for the last two months, it's just been on my heart so much. For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Church, this is all to bring God glory. Sundays are to bring God glory. Our lives are to bring God glory. Our children, everything we do should be to bring Him glory. Why? Because Jesus gave us everything. 
He left heaven to come to earth. He hung on a cross, died the most gruesome death because He couldn't bear to be separated from you and I for an eternity. There shouldn't be any other response but to want to worship Him, to be in His presence and to see Him glorified. It's the only thing that makes sense. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. Malachi 1 verse 11 says, From the rising of the sun, even to it going down, my name shall be great amongst the Gentiles. In every place shall incense be offered to my name. Over and over in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we see the prayers and the devotion and the acts of worship of the believers described as a sweet smell of praise or incense to God. And when you and I are faithful stewards, when we're good managers, when what God gives us results in His kingdom being grown, it's like sweet incense rising up to heaven. When we praise Him and we worship Him, we thank Him for the fact that we have a roof over our heads, that sweet incense rising up to heaven. We stay in a place of gratitude. Come on, Jesus gave me everything. Nobody owes us anything. We've been given salvation. Father God, You are an amazing God. And we lift You up in this place. We give You all the glory, all the honour. And we pray, won't You make us a church that sees Your name glorified across our nation, God. Lord, we want to see Your kingdom grow. We want people to know about Your love and Your goodness. Won't You anoint us and empower us, God. We are changed lives, called to change other lives, Lord with the good news of who you are. We love you and we give you all the glory in this place. All the glory goes to you. We love you, Jesus. This is all for you. Church, just while we stay in this attitude of worship with every head bowed out of respect, I would be doing you the biggest disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity this morning. If you are not in a personal relationship with Jesus, I need to give you an opportunity to give your life to Him. Maybe you knew Him a long time ago, but you know you're not in a relationship with Jesus right now. He loves you so much. And there's nothing He wants more than to be in a relationship with you. And He's got a plan for you, a plan for your life. Your life doesn't have to be boring and mundane. You are loved. Jesus left heaven for you. And if you want to give your life to Jesus with every head but out of respect so that I can just see. I want to pray for you. I'm going to count to three and ask you to boldly lift your hand up just so that I can see it. I see that hand. That's awesome. Okay, you can just stick your hand up. I see that hand. That's amazing. Come on, that's awesome. Just stick your hand up high. It's amazing. See that hand? That's awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Just stick it up. Stick your hand up boldly. Best decision you'll ever make. I see that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Just pop your hand up high. Best decision you could ever make. You see those hands. That's awesome. So many decisions for God. Give you one more opportunity. Just stick your hand up. You're saying, Jesus, I want to get to know you personally. we pray together as a church family? Is that good? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, 
I repent and I ask You to be Lord of my life, to be my King. Thank You that You love me. Thank You that You've called me. Thank You that You have amazing plans for my life. And the Bible says that now I am saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Come on. We love you, Jesus. He's an amazing God. And I love Him because the whole of heaven's having a party right now. We just gave the whole of heaven an opportunity to throw a massive party. I just want to remind you guys, though, if you put your hand up, you know, we always say if you hit a home run, you run to every base. You don't just stop at first base. Okay, you just hit a spiritual home run. Come to Growth Track. Join a view group. Don't just stop at making the decision. The best decision you could have ever made. To the rest of you guys, have an amazing, amazing Sunday. Keep warm. It looks like a, a little storm is brewing. Don't forget to sign up for Rise Camp. And uh, yeah, have an amazing week. <laughs>